Hello everybody and welcome to the Bit Effect. Today we have a bit of an oddity for you. And since we're talking about alien isolation, that would make it a space oddity. Craig. Tell my wife I love her very much. Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Take your protein pills. Put your helmet on. This is going to be a bit different because with my good friend Craig... As I said last week, hello. Exactly. Uh, we had... October was a horrible night to, to make a podcast. Uh, we tried multiple times to do two episodes. We did Ghosts and Goblins and then something was wrong with Craig's mic. And then we did aliens, and then his house went on fire. And then <laughs> we just could not get these two episodes out, and we're starting to run out of time. So we decided to mush them both together, call it a spooktacular event a week and a half later. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way this is going to differ is, well, first we're going to do two episodes, and they're going to be like a little short. On each one, it's not going to be a full-blown episode. And spoiler walls officially are off for both Ghosts and Goblins and Alien Isolation. Like, we're just going to have to jump right into this. Yep. The goblins die. Th- that is what happens at the end. The goblins die. Um, So, we're just going to kick right off. And what I'm going to do is not stall while I bring up Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection. Wikipedia, so I can read it. God, and you mock me for not playing an entire game hey. I was supposed to play. Because <laughs> um, those are equal Equal issues. sins in the eyes of the Lord. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, I'm going to read the stats to Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection, and we can just crack right into this. Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection was developed and published by Capcom, with the director being Takuro Fujiwara, the designer being also Takuro Fujiwara, the artist being the name that starts with you. <laughs> Sorry, it's a little far away. Hold on. <clears throat> with the artist being Uichiro Murata and the composers being Kento Hasegawa, Masato Kauda, Ryota Hida. It was released on the Switch and then Windows, PS4, Xbox One, all in 2021. Now, uh, we've had some history with Mr. Fujiwara in the fact that we did Tomba, we did an earlier Ghosts and Goblins game. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with this man. I would probably punch him and then buy him a beer. Going into this one, Craig, were you excited? Were you like, this is going to be more of the same? Where where was your brain at? Oh, I I was kind of excited because it's Ghosts and Goblins. I was interested because I'd played Ghosts Oh, whatever one we played before, I've played um, many a time, and I hadn't played anything else. I was pretty excited just to see what this new reimagined world was going to be like, and how it would pull from the different games, and where it would feel the same. Where I was kind of interested to see how modern it felt compared to back then. Um, so yeah, I was I was kind of hyped. Plus, your your hype train for this was like. Choo choo! <laughs> oh yeah, it, I, I was riding that train. Uh, I as soon as I saw the trailer and what the art looked like, I was like, "Oh yeah, gotta do this. This is gonna be great." 
spoiler alert, we ended up on two different sides of a coin when it comes to this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, let's talk about some things that we uh, both agree on, and that would be the artwork itself. So the artwork is kind of a shadow box, paper craft model kind of look to it. Um, I think it looks fantastic. It's very spry while also... F- Boy, this is going to sound weird. It's very spry in its animation while also still conveying the weight that Ghosts and Goblins does, right? Like, everything's heavy in Ghosts and Goblins. I I think the redesigned bosses, the worlds, uh, some things like if you remember in the first Ghosts and Goblins where uh, you're in the graveyard and then it, like, rises up and then sinks down. The way that's done in this is so much better and makes it so much more kinetic to use a bad word i guess uh everything just looks and feels great yeah you're getting all the buzzwords out here as well all you need to do is mention quality of life and Um, uh, cognitive dissonance and you're you know there was no ludo narrative dissonance um (laughs) it was four out of five hair razors on the game pro scale um, uh, what about you? Let me shut up about it. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I too really like the look of it. Like, I, I, on the face of it, the, as you say, we 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 do fall on opposite sides of the same coin when it comes to bits of it. But if we're just talking about the way it looks, I think it looks great. It it does. It's really well animated. The level changing bits look great knocking down a big pillar and then running up it feels like heavy and meaty it feels like you're constantly jangling with the systems there to just make it all work and it, it all sticks together lovely uh the way the way things are animated the big goblins just look big and meaty and chunky but you're right dave they've got a kind of like weird it looks like they could break into dance at any point and start going dee lee lee yeah, about like, the like stage. Yeah, like almost like the skeleton dance. Like someone's holding them by their head exactly. and just moving their limbs. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it does, it looks fantastic. And another thing it does really nicely is it uses different levels. So the first time you encounter one of these goblins, he's jumping behind the stage and then popping out. And when he pops out, you're you're like, oh, there he is. And he just looks cheeky, but he's trying to murder you. And he does a good job of trying to murder you. But it it, it does it looks fantastic when you get to later stages one of one of my favorite looking things about it is that um bit just after you finish off wormy mcmaggot boy and the whole stage starts moving and you've got these grotesque teeth surrounding you as the stage moves and it shrinks and grows and these things are trying to poke you it just that was my favorite looking thing that I've played in a long time that just I just thought this just it's just perfect it looked it looks fantastic oh it does yeah yeah we're, we're in case you haven't seen it basically the frame of the level becomes a giant monster mouth and as you move through the stage it kind of moves so it restricts your path and then it moves down and you okay you can go now um, it, it is super interesting. I like to blame the fact that I died 422 times on just... I was just admiring the visuals and was caught off guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it of certainly course. wasn't any kind of difficulty no. that made me die 400 times. No. It does uh, That does kick you in the, bit of a, <laughs> in the dick a bit. Oh, it kinda, does. It sets you up a lot of the time to jump straight into teeth. <laughs> like, like, you just think you're going to make it and then all of a sudden you donk your head in one of these things and it's just... Or, or they, they, I love how they tease you with that. And we'll talk about uh, the the mechanics that have not retroized, boy, modernized uh, this franchise in a little bit. 
but they still do an incredibly good job of knowing what your player instincts are going to be, letting you do them, and then going, gotcha, while you're mid-flight in jump. Uh, they still do a really good job of doing that. I appreciate that. Uh, Sound-wise, let's talk sound, because Ghosts and Goblins is some of my favorite video game music. I really like the kind of Halloween-y sound to it. I think the soundtrack was remixed wonderfully. I, I really didn't have any complaints with probably the, the the Crystal City being one of my favorite tracks I've heard this year. I was humming it for like a week afterwards until my wife punched me in the face and said, knock it off. I, I think it was fantastic. What about you? Yeah, same. Absolutely same. Uh, music's fantastic. It's always kind of struck, particularly from... Ghosts and Goblins y type times when you land in the cemetery and it, it, you get that wee do 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 ah, and I'm like it's so good. Just the remixes alone, even taking away all of the other um original pieces are really well done. Uh I also think like every, the way you hit everything, you hit something and it just makes a nice noise. Ah, it's 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 great. Um I'm stalling a little bit because I don't want to talk about the parts of the game that you don't like because you're wrong. But let's get into it a little bit. Uh, you want to uh, say some of the measures they took to modernize this yeah. dick-kickingly hard franchise? Yeah, so a couple of measures. Uh, the most obvious one is a difficulty select, which gives you the opportunity to play the game as originally intended, you know, two hits and you're dead and you're back at the start of the level. Um, and I think you can actually start each level individually, can't you? Even on that difficulty, I yes. can't remember now. Yeah, yeah. No matter what you do, it's not one continuous experience. Yeah. It is broken up into stages you select. As a second uh, difficulty, it just basically adds an extra hit and then an extra hit again, and then on the l oh, and more checkpoints throughout the level. Mm -hmm. And then the easiest difficulty, kind of like your um, baby's first ghosts and goblins, even though it's still like Reese couldn't get through a level on the easiest difficulty, but it's immediate respawns exactly where you died, and you have four hits uh, to try and just basically tank your way through the entire game. Uh, what did you play um, it on for reference? Uh, I played it on the second most difficult. I think I started on the most difficult and I couldn't, I couldn't, I don't think I even got through the first level before I thought, do you know what? My old fingers are not what they used to be and even a small change in the level design or the way it feels and I was just broken. Like I, I think of. I'm a bit shit. I'm too too shit to play this game on full difficulty. Uh, I did dabble in all of them, and the only real comment I've got is I kind of like a, a wee bit. I like the difficulty select. Being able to get hit an extra time might make it a wee bit more accessible. The one that ruins it for me is that easiest instant respawn because it does, like if you stick it on, you can walk and just walk from left to right and climb things and still make it through a ghouls and ghosts level and you're like, or ghouls and goblins, go goblins and ghosts, whatever it was we're playing. Ghouls, um, ghosts and goblins. Ghouls, ghosts and goblins. And, and I think that actually ruins every, everything about the game when you start being able to, it would be pretty much being like invincible. Oh, right, okay, we've got an invincibility option. Um, 
What about you? On I, I don't, I don't have a problem with the lowest difficulty mode because, well, there's there's two ways you're going to approach this game, right? You're going to approach this game as the, okay, let's see what this old franchise is about. Or you don't know it's a franchise. You're just like, yeah, whatever. This looks cool. You pick it up. Um, you're either going to be the player that's like, all right, I want to master these levels. Or you're going to be the player that's going to say, I just want to see what's here. I'm okay with both approaches because my talent falls somewhere in the middle, right? Like, I, I played it on the setting where you took three hits yeah. to die. Um, I, without a lot of dedication, I don't think I could take it a step further in this. Like, like there were there were points in this where it was still infuriating to play, even on that difficulty. And I think the difficulty works great. Unless you're playing over bottomless pits, and then that has no. Yeah. Yeah. Or wait, wait, does the lowest difficulty also take away knockback? No, no, you still get knocked back. You still, you know, like get knocked back down to the bottom of a stage if it's a vertical stage. You're still suffering in the same way. You're just not dying as okay, much. Okay, so you're still getting knocked off those those dragons yeah. all the yeah. time. Okay, and. It also, if you do get knocked off, like, say, a disappearing platform, a moving platform like one of the dragons, it still kicks you back to before you got on that. So there's a point where you're jumping from platform to platform up the way and they're all disappearing. If you die, so you're So even then, it's not them. like the Mario problem where it's like, here, no. you're just invincible now. Uh, it, no. it's, still, it's still a hard enough game to where even on the easiest difficulty, you're going to have some friction. Yes. Um, uh, another uh, measure it takes is the magic metronome, which I fiddled with and I it threw me off too much. So it basically does what a metronome does. You can either slow it down to, I believe it's half speed, or speed it up to double speed. And you can choose what speed. If you played on double speed, you're some kind of android. And <laughs> I would really, really like you to teach me. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine playing this on double speed. No. But uh, it does help to learn levels. Let's say you don't want to go to the easiest difficulty level and you're just like, okay, I just need a little bit of extra reaction time. Yeah. That half speed really helps. Um, I just, I get the feeling like I didn't know this existed until you told me about it. Um, and I just get the feeling that even at half speed, the biggest frustration is me going to have him press jump and then go, no. Yeah, half speed <laughs> just means you now take longer time to realize you're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, I played through a level uh, with it, the first graveyard level with it, and okay. it, it, it does make a difference because you're not running as fast. But other than that, it, it, it's not that big of an advantage. Uh, okay. Why don't you explain the Umble Breeze, which is yeah. another way. So third major kind of like, I suppose, difficulty modifier, but also collectible, funky, new thing, is you get umbral bees. Each level has one or multiple umbral bees. It must be multiple umbral six, bees. Which, I believe, for most levels. Okay. Uh, which you can collect, and then you spend at the end of each stage, You can, or even during a stage, if you pause it, you can spend them on upgrades. These can be up, uh, passive upgrades, like... You can carry three weapons instead of two weapons. They can be active upgrades. So if you hold down the attack button, you get a charged flame coming out of your butt cheeks or something, wherever the flame comes out of. <laughs> uh, and they do kind of 
it's a, a, a modern step to having, you know, like a level, not level, you're not leveling up your character, but you're leveling up your abilities and capabilities. And I can't remember what is right at the top of the tree to remember whether it is worthwhile or not. But I found the passive abilities to be the most, I, I always like a passive ability to then focus on just, you know, like my one attack style and get good at that thing rather than having flames come out of me and a shield and this, that and the other. I like a limited skills. I found the same, like with Vampire, when we played that, I didn't use any of the blood powers because I was just like, I'll just stick to my big club and I'll just make sure that I hit everyone good with that. Um, It's my approach. Uh, What about you? Well, I... uh, Kind of middle of the road from you, to be honest with you. Like, Like, I... I really like some of the active abilities, right? Like, there's one where it turns you into a boulder, and you just can roll through things, which helps quite a bit in some places. Uh, most of them tend to be very, very situational. Uh, the screen clearing ones do help pretty much on every stage. Uh, the the passive ones, like you were mentioning, the one where you have a small chance to resurrect where you died, uh, is is phenomenal. Like that saved me once or twice. The main thing for me was the, uh, uh, I like the Umbral Bees net. I used that quite a bit because I didn't have to make those precarious jumps and just <laughs> did yeah. it and it was oh, fine. C- collecting an Umbral Bee is almost a suicide jump every time. <laughs> <laughs> almost <laughs> every time. Uh, there were the, the one where you sped up, I just ended up getting a bit too reckless with it, so it mm-hmm. didn't do me much good. But the double and triple... Uh, kind of like the Ninja Gaiden 2 yeah. power-ups, where you just have these shadows behind you, that you can melt through some bosses pretty fast yeah. in this. Speaking um, of bosses, my friend... Yes. I hate almost all of them equally, um, with the dragon being mm-hmm. the particular target of my ire. How do you feel about the bosses in this? Because uh, they're not that different from their original phases. They're, they're not that different. Um, for the ones that I had encountered previously, not that different. Look great. Same rough mechanics. You kind of know what you're in for. The thing that I always thought about the bosses was the challenge of this game has always been getting to a oh, boss. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got some fairly core, you know, like built-in gaming mechanics. You've got to hit the head or you've got to make sure you jump up to that platform and then jump down when a wasp is flying at you. Uh, I I thought the bosses were okay. My favourite is, and always will be, Wormy McMaggot Oh, guy. it's great. Even in this, he's uh, just a mini-boss, but he's still fantastic. Yeah, I, I just think that, that the design in that is so radically different. I, I was not disappointed, but just a wee bit like, meh, with things like the wasp thing. Oh, oh Beelzebub, or- yeah. Yeah, like, Beelzebub is, is one of those things where, depending on your weapon choice, you will have a harder... Oh, that's that's one of the things we should have mentioned. If, with enough Umble Breeze, you can hold on to up to three weapons, which massively changes the dynamic of this game. It it does, it does. Um, I, I, I always have that because... Or I would always have that because... This game still not it's less guilty of it, but it still tries to trick you into picking up the firebomb and like you know, no nobody wants that. Nobody no, needs that. I, I no, I you know, one of these times I'm gonna watch a a, a, a firebomb on, only. Yeah, yeah, on YouTube. It's just firebomb only. It's just to see if it can be done, because I'm not sure it can. No. Uh okay, so 
We've talked about some of the good things it does. Craig, let's talk mm -hmm. about what you don't like about it. Yeah. So this is more of a fluffy issue I have with it. More of a conceptual wankery issue, if we want to go down that far. It's, for me, the problem I have with the game is that individual component parts, the weapons, the, the mechanics, the level, everything kind of feels okay, it looks good. But to me, the problem I've got is the fact that it plays... Like, it, they've modernised it, but it plays like an old platforming game with the fixed jump park. It's got all the bits that makes Ghosts and Goblins Ghosts and Goblins, but it looks like this beautiful, pretty modern game, and it those two bits clash heads for me in quite a major way. Like, I, I just feel like it looks like... You should be running faster and able to change your jump arc midway through the jump. Oh, heresy! You, you know, yeah. you shouldn't have you shouldn't have to deal with the enemy projectiles coming through the stage, but you not being able to shoot back through this. There's wee bits that are links back to the old games that, by all rights, should be in this game, but it to, it just didn't land because it l looks better than it plays <laughs> oh okay all right all right all right so um i'm just gonna call you mr millennial now thank you very much <laughs> not like us old people that can write <laughs> cursive uh, uh -huh. okay so i will agree with you to the extent that you have an opinion uh-huh <laughs> thank you and, and that's it um okay so this game would fundamentally change if you could control your jump arc, mm -hmm. first of all. Mm -hmm. Like 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 there's no way you could make this into uh, a Castlevania uh, game and still have it be Ghosts and Goblins. This wouldn't work. Um My question to you is if you could change that, is that the one thing that would make this not feel old to you? Is it the jump arc? Ab above everything else, I think jump arc slight jump arc slightly extended to just the way Arthur feels moving. He runs like he's running through butter and he jumps like he's on a stick. <laughs> this okay. just wiggling his way. So, it, and that's the thing is, I would never change it. I would never want the option to have that. I, I think it would ruin the game. It's, hmm. I don't know. It's, would the it, double jump say, help? Because with the double jump, you can, like, jump to the right and then jump back to the left. I'm not sure. Um, I'm, to be honest, very not sure. I don't think so. I think it's the way it looks. Ah, Dave. Ah, Dave, you've unraveled me because I had a train of thought. Oh, I'm sorry. And you've, de you've derailed the train. So I'm just going to stop speaking. Plus one speaking. for Dave? That, that's all this this really is, uh, this podcast, is us trying to make the other one look a bit naff because we interrupt them with a question. Um, I know, yeah. How okay. dare you question me? <laughs> all right, so so then uh, for the listener's benefit, why don't you briefly discuss what you like in a platformer? Mm -hmm. So um, nowadays, I'll start with that in my millennial body, I do much... <laughs> Do much prefer quicker, reactiony based platforming that's more about technical platforming ability than 
killing everyone on the screen or avoiding everyone on the screen. So like your Meat Boys, your Celestes, your N plus pluses, anything anything that involves that quick speedy precision. jump 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 precision, that's the word. Jump 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 slide roll power whatever. It that now feels like what platforming means to me because you're jumping on platforms. <laughs> I didn't Okay. I didn't, you know. Um, um well well uh, this is all basically 2D only because you do like the mm-hmm. hat and time approach to 3D. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Definitely. This is a 2D thing. If I stick on a 2D platformer and it ends up feeling not quite like that, I'll just I I just don't like that kind of genre. I'm not I'm not a fan of your slower paced like either indie story platform like i wasn't a fan of inside or the other one little nightmares that can i'm not not quite a fan of that all right um i just i just need something that's a short sharp level where i die a million times until i get to the end which is only like four inches away from you but you've got to do something really tricky to get there all right um so uh, i also respect your opinion on this uh you Hmm. you arguably are much better platformers than me and some of this some of this might be why we are the way we are uh you're much better at precision than i am um celeste was okay i I didn't think it was special kind of thing um meat boy infuriated me (laughs) a lot of the time and that was not even going for bandages or anything that was just straight run through um i i much prefer this the castlevania the mega man I prefer the... I like adding enemies to it. But this basically means we have to, for sure, get you to play Cave Story and Umahara Kawase. Because those, to me, are like good precision platformers without the speed, I guess? So yeah, that'll be curious to get you to play this. Okay, alright, so... Um, in terms of what I think modernity-wise, this is by far the farthest they've come in terms of, hey, why don't we take a few nails out of the bat that Ghosts and Goblins will hit you with? Um, I, I don't think they could modernize it very much while still keeping true to the franchise, and I wouldn't ask them to, and I trust their judgment on you know what they do. To me, this is one of the best games I've played this year, hands down. Uh, I, I think there's not much I would improve on other than maybe my own talent. But, uh, yeah, I, I can't really say more other than that. Craig agrees with me on this. Uh, he, what? This is, what? Th- sh- 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 this oh, is okay. his 2021 uh, game of the year. I'm going to try to convince him otherwise, but, boy, he's really into this right now. Mm. So we're not sure. What so, have you put in my tea? I sound like you. <laughs> um, out, of, out of curiosity, uh, where does this fall then for you in terms of platformers? Like, did you... I'm completely honest, of course. Did, mm-hmm. did you not enjoy your time with this? Or did you enjoy your time, but now it's time to... Okay, that's on the shelf now. That's oh, a done oh. experience. It's, it's an absolute... I've done it. It's done. And I see what they've done. And I appreciate what they've done. And I do... I do rate it very high. Not 2021 Game of the Year-wise, despite what I said in my American accent a couple of seconds ago. <laughs> very good sounding. Um, but it is. It's very Do you know, the the best the best game that I can think of that's platforming enemies that I 
will go back to and I don't know where the, how this helps the conversation but it just popped into my head is Cuphead because Cuphead is difficult shooting enemies everywhere bosses it's magnificent it looks great it sounds great but it just feels like a modern platformer despite looking um, like a platformer from the 30s <laughs> the oldest looking game while being the most modern um, exactly we'll, we'll call it the alien soldier formula yeah 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 Okay, all right. Um, uh, behind the scenes, we also did a uh, a contra episode uh, just to test stuff out when our microphones were going to hell. Um, how d- does that formula feel? Like, is th- or does platforming not really come into that at all? I don't think it comes into that. For me, that was more shooty. Okay, emphasis pla- on the shooting. Yeah, and same with things like. Um, Metal Slug and things like that. Just more shooting. I don't know why my brain has connected platforming to that technical precision jumping between platforms. It's a very literal caveman way to say a platforming game. It's form, (laughs) to be fair. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Um, I I still would like to get your opinion on a Mega Man game at some point, Mm -hmm. uh, other than a Retro Rewind. So I bought, I, I bought Mega Man 11, by the way, I forgot to say. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. how nice. Um, you should play it and then go, Dave, you, you've been right about everything. I, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> the, th- the thing I don't get about Mega Man is when you beat a boss, you then get the weapon f- mm-hmm. from that boss. So is there a best way to play it so that you can yes. like game there it? There is always an optimal route to <laughs> yeah, every yeah. Mega Man game, and the, half the fun is finding out, wait, okay, so if I take out the water guy first, then I can use the water uh, against this. But uh, yeah, like to me, that, that's a lot of the fun of a Mega Man okay. game is figuring out, okay, uh, what weapon works best against everybody. See, for me, for some strange reason, the fun for me would be Googling that critical path and then achieving <laughs> it. <laughs> Alright, so like... the fun for me is following a walkthrough. Boy, that's a that's a very Dave thing to do, right? Uh, that's how I play adventure games. Not, not quite a walkthrough, but just just saying, do this guy, do that, then that, then that, then that, and you'll have a fun time. I don't I don't need to be frustrated by having bringing a knife to a spoon fight. I don't want oh, to bring, you know. This is Mega Man chat in, in a Ghosts and Goblins episode. We shouldn't do it. But, like, some of what makes that interesting is, sure, maybe this weapon will be optimal, but you suck at using it because they all fire differently. They're not all just out of the gun. Shoot, like, there's, like, top spin, which Mega Man turns into a, a spinning top and you have to bash into the person. But I suck at using it. So even though top spin is the best weapon, I'll use the, the metal blade or... You know, something like that instead. So that uh, anyway, mm, Mega Man chat. Not today. Even though I see what you did, you lured me into a false insecurity with your Mega Man. Uh, okay, so then where do we fall in terms on recommends for this game? I can't recommend it enough. I think this is arguably the best game in the series, hands down. I, I think it's obsoleted everything other than that Maximo offshoot. Like that yeah. still deserves to be checked out, as we said, but. This is it. You have no reason to go back and play the other ones unless you're just curious. Yeah, I'd, I'm almost about... If you still enjoy that Ghosts and goblins a type challenge, then yes. If you've moved on and, to, and you're a millennial and a hipster or whatever <laughs> whatever else slanderous you want to say about me, then I, I would... I mean, I really enjoyed playing through it. I sat and 
played it in one sitting. It was, it was great, just over a day, sitting and just going round and round and round. So it's not that I didn't enjoy it, I just didn't enjoy it. Which is fair. I mean, you you probably shouldn't use your mouth anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, that's just fair enough. I mean, I, I can completely understand. With I like everything this game does, it just didn't click with me, which yeah. is fine. Uh, I, I don't know. Is that an alien concept? Am I in isolation? <laughs> you said we should practice for segues. Is, am I doing it right? She knows. Uh, <laughs> now, um, uh, as Craig has alluded to, we are going to take a brief intermission here, uh, probably where I throttle him a little bit, and then we are going to talk about alien isolation. So, hold on to your space hats. Yeah. And we'll see you after these announcements. Today's episode brought to you by Oyster Pudding. When you need your pudding to be oyster flavored, look no further than Oyster Pudding. A pearl in every box. Oh, that's fucking rank. Okay. Welcome back from that brief intermission Strictly business. Let's crack on with Alien Isolation. Now, the spoilers will matter more to this than they did to Ghosts and Goblins because the spoiler to Ghosts and Goblins is there are ghosts and there are goblins. <laughs> um, this is a little different. So if you're interested in the alien lore or uh, the story of this game, you may want to hold off because we're just going to plow right into it. Craig, give me the stats, old chum. Yes. Okie dokie, uh, Alien Isolation, it's a survival horror space game developed by Creative Assembly, published by Sega, directed by Alistair Hope, produced by Jonathan Court, Ollie Smith, uh, arted by Jude Bond, and the music was composed by Christian Henson, who's different from Chris Henson, who's different from Chris Hansen from To Catch a Predator. Who's different Joe from Henson. Jim Henson. <laughs> oh, for God's sake, that's when I, I was trying to get to Jim Henson and I got to Chris Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Henson and Alexis Smith. Well done, you three people. Uh, it was released on its, or it is released on everything: Windows, PS3, PS4, Xbox 360, Xbox One. Got a slight remastery thing. Linux, whoever plays on Linux, OS X, Switch, and on the Luna streaming service. And it was released 2014, 2015, and a Switch port in 2019, which I think might look like shit. Uh, I think it's one of the server-side games that you play on the Switch. Oh, right, okay. So it so feels it like crap. doesn't look like Wolfenstein. Yeah, it feels like crap. It doesn't look like crap. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, so that's Alien Isolation stats. As I said before, it's a survival horror. It's first person and it involves stealth, sneaking, hiding, and crying. It also involves aliens, which, let's be brief, mm -hmm. uh, your history with aliens as a franchise and in the video game sphere. Yeah, uh, video game sphere. Uh, I what have I played? What have I played? Alien Colonial Marines or whatever it was. Uh, Alien Isolation. That's pretty much about Alien versus Predator. But the multiplayer thing where you could be the alien, like what, fifteen years ago or something? Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's that's kind of about it. Gaming wise, I haven't I haven't really been a big alieny thing. The problem has always been the horror aspect. It's been the too scared to play. Uh, film wise, uh, first three films, knocked down uh, aliens, predators, and people. Whatever one that was, where they kind of all collaborated in a non-collaborative sense was shit. 
And now, since in the, in the past week, I have also watched Prometheus, which was a rollicking good time, but not the greatest alien film. But the core message is, I'm a massive alien fan, a less massive Aliens 2 fan, and a massive Aliens 3 fan. Okay. Um, I'm pretty close to you. I've played more alien games. I, I think I've played most of them. Uh, even the old uh, arcade games and the, the light gun games in the arcade, I've, I've played those. Um, they're okay. I, I've never found one that really piqued my interest and went, ooh, Ooh, this is good. Um, this might be the one, but we will discuss that later. Uh, Aliens as a film franchise, I like one. I like three, and I'll watch the rest. Uh, I, <laughs> none of them are so um, offensive to my senses that I just will not watch one. They're okay. I'm not into the lore. I'm not into the world building so much. It's just, that's a cool alien guy. That lady's going to kill him. Okay. Uh, or her. As the situation warrants, yeah, um, I'm I'm the same. The alien, you know, like cinematic universe to me isn't really a thing. I know you, you know, you get your Marvel people that like, oh, that's the baseball cap that Captain America wore, <laughs> and like, no, I just I don't. For me, it's never been about that. I love the way it looks. I love the alien. I love the design. I love everything about what it is. But I don't think it needs the you know, like a reference in another Expansion. film and another, yeah, I, I just it's much like I feel about Marvel, it's just not that, it's not that big to warrant spreading it thin across everything Alright, so let's hurry up before the pitchfork pitchfork wielding mob comes to your door because you have now bad mouth Marvel and that is 80% of the American economy Okay, uh, can I just can I just preface that by saying that I've not really seen any Marvel films. I've seen an Ant Man film and Guardians of the Gal or half half a Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's my limit. I haven't seen Iron Man or, or anything like that. Well, see, this but, is why uh, podcasting with Craig is so infuriating. Is because he's a filthy liar. Uh, because he has also watched Spider Man films. <gasps> You're right. I thought they, they are they not. They're Marvel. They are. I know, but are they in that? Is there not ones that are called the cinematic universe? Yeah, yeah, it's all the ones with Tom Holland are technically in okay. the cinematic universe. Okay, because I know that in one of the Spider Man sees uh, Michael Keaton at the start is breaking up um, machinery from a war yeah. that went on, and I've not seen the film to see what the war was. It's the Avengers <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah. right. I'm, just, I'm just like, well, yeah, okay. I'll just I like Spider Man. <laughs> and this has been your Marvel Minute. Uh -huh. um, moving on to Alien, let's take this the same way we took Ghosts and Goblins, right? Yeah. Um, going into this, this was something that I had hyped up to me from a bunch of different sources. My daughter played it and said it was too scary to finish. Craig played it before me and was like, this is this is great. This is terrifying. Uh, the bunch of videos on YouTube about how scary it is. So I went into this with the best setup possible. I played it in the dark by myself with headphones on. I duct taped my kid and my wife to the wall so they wouldn't get in the way. I, I gave this every opportunity to be scary. Now that leads you to think something that is going to be true, but we'll talk about it later. Craig, how about you? How did you experience this? Um, I the first time I played it was scared and terrified and uh, in a light room in small doses 
mostly between save points. I'd get to a save point, breathe a sigh of relief, and then switch the game off for an entire day. It was very, very tense and slow, and I was... I sent, um, dear listener, I sent Dave a video of my approach to one of the rooms where I had to enter an elevator, and it took me the best part of five minutes to get <laughs> like 10 metres across because there was an alien somewhere, I didn't know where. Uh, and the, in reality, I should have just stood up and walked to Calmly this. while whistling uh, <laughs> and the pre- elevator. And, and press the button. Uh, I played it twice. The second time I played it, by that point, I had semi-broken my fear um, response and I absolutely blitzed. I absolutely loved it. That second playthrough was like a joyous, momentous awakening for my brain and my soul. Um, and it, but it was it was on um, PC, and the first time was on the laptop screen and small because I thought I'll play it small. It doesn't, you know, it's not the full resolution. The master can't get you if he's smaller than you. <laughs> exactly. I can just close my laptop if I need to. <laughs> Um, but the second time was hooked up to the telly, loud sounds, dark, it, it was fantastic. I envy you 100%. I would love that to happen. Because I'm not an internet tough guy. Uh, things still get to me. Resident Evil 7 got to me. PT got to me. This did not get to me even once. Uh, this, I was, hmm. I was mildly frustrated by the gaming, the gaming, the game framing something as scary, but I didn't find it scary. Like, uh, your second playthrough, when, when you knew what was going to happen, did you find that mildly frustrating of like, yes, we know it's a xenomorph, let's, let's, let's go. Yeah. I, um, I didn't find it frustrating. I found it less scary because as you learn the mechanics, what becomes potentially quite a frightening encounter where the alien is trying to find you and you're trying to sneak through a room... When you get a bit more confident and you learn the alien, you can, you know, you can just go around. As soon as he's turned his head, you can sneak across that bit. You're not like edging your way about the place. So I still found it exciting and exhilarating, but not just not. I just lost the scariness, the tentative, tiny movement. Okay. Um. Well, you talked about the mechanics. Why don't you explain how the uh, alien works? And I will try to keep my references to Mixter X as, as as low as possible. So, how does the alien work, Craig? Exactly like Mr. X. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, uh, arguably lesser than, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, the alien is kind of like a... Um, not, it's not a complete and utter 100% of the time the alien is chasing you. There are specific levels, specific entry points, specific points in the game that are scripted that the alien will hunt you down. Um, if it's a scripted event, it'll normally drop down through a vent and you've got to sneak through a room and it's part of the story. And the only other thing that it does uh, randomly is if you make noise, if you run, if you hit something, if you walk through an alarm, you know, if a robot starts shouting at you, an alien's going to hear it and come for you, which is kind of nice because it makes you indeed sneak. Um, so watching a speed run is hilariously good, um, and the way the alien is works is, is it's a very kind of like animalistic alien way. It feels in this game like it feels when you're watching Alien. It'll 
go around a room and it'll sit on top of a desk and be like, and its tail will be swishing about the place. The first time you meet the alien, you're underneath a desk and it sits on top of the desk and its tail nearly grazes your leg and you're like, oh, it's getting a wee bit spicy here. Um, as the game progresses... <laughs> yes, because, because every horror encounter you take, like, you know, a, a middle-ditch mom... It's like, oh, it's getting a little spicy. <laughs> exactly. Um, as the game progresses, the alien will kind of learn through AI and mechanics and a bit of scripting your play style, and it will adapt if it, if you're constantly hiding under a table and it keeps finding you under a table. It'll keep looking under tables. If it doesn't find you under tables, it'll start looking in cupboards, uh, which was my preferred place to hide was a cupboard because it just feels safe. Um, and that's kind of about it to combat the alien. You've got a flamethrower. You've got you know like flares to distract. Well, not at it. first. It's it's a very okay. long time until you can uh, combat the alien. Yeah. To be fair, sorry to be yeah, ab- absolutely. So the first like half of the game until you get somewhere really safe, you're mostly sneaking and distracting it by throwing flares and other things. Um, that's kind of like long winded, but that's pretty pretty much yeah. it. Yeah, it yeah, looks that, great. That's pretty much it. Um, if you were to go back and play it today, the alien isn't quite as advanced as you would want it to be. You can see, if you're paying attention, some squiffy video gamey stuff going on, right? Like, you can see him teleport from here to here in the vents if you have your motion sensor out. But if you don't, then you wouldn't know. Um, there are some times where it does act a little, what I would consider weird, like you burn him and then he jumps up into a vent and then he appears in the vent behind you. Sometimes... Uh, like, but all in all, I, I think they modeled a very good pursuit monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, I was never scared of him, but I was always wary of him. Like, okay, okay, where is he? What's he doing? Um, I, I think they could have done more and they probably would have, to be fair to the guys at, uh, the place that I can't remember the name of. Creative right Assembly. Thank you. Jeez, I should know them. Um, uh, to be fair to the guys at Creative Assembly... I imagine they would do a much better job now, but, you know, this is... It's climbing up there in age. But I still never felt like, oh, this is a video game when it came to the alien. I did feel that way about other things, such as, like, the crafting wheel, which was all the rage, Mm -hmm. and still sort of is now. Uh, A lot of what you can craft, I never found a use for. Uh, Craig, did you find a use for everything? No, um... I didn't really find a, a use for a lot. A lot of them actually kind of hindered more than helped. So one of the things you can make is a noisemaker, which you would think would help facing an alien that is attracted to noise. So you can click your things about the place, lob this thing, and it'll go Wah, or whatever, and the alien will run towards it. It gives you a quick exit. If the alien's coming for you, you can chuck it. The problem I found was that 99 times out of 100, well, I only maybe threw it about five times, and all five of those times it bounced back and hit me in the face. Yep, hits a bulkhead above your head or something. <laughs> yeah, like, ah, yep, yep. Um, so didn't really use that. The flares were um, okay. I found the flares more handy on the second playthrough because if you know how they work, the, the, the alien's attracted to the flares. It, it fizzes and it's heat and that. So uh, anyone that would use a flare to light and guide their path is an idiot and a fool and a man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so they kind of they played more of a part, but for the most part, nah, 
none I didn't really craft a lot other than health and um yeah that was about it actually yeah pretty much yeah I was just health pretty much yeah. uh, every once in a while an EMP to knock out some androids because you will also run into androids that have always gone awry because there cannot be any fiction anywhere where androids are perfectly fine it never happens um the one thing I I will uh ding this game for the hardest is its checkpoint system. Um, I see what they're going for, and I imagine if you're a much better player than I am, seems to be a trend in the, in this here episode, Craig, uh, you wouldn't find it as frustrating as I did. So, uh, save points are physical, in-the-world items. You have to go up to it, put your little card in, clunk, 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 pull it out, and then the game saves. Uh, first off, you can, if if you're going for the suicide save... I wouldn't recommend it. You can really boink yourself in a lot of places. But there are very few and far between, which leads to you, if you're having a tough time with a certain area, repeating a lot of steps to get there. Because uh, just for an example, I had a part where I hit the save point, then went to a computer, got what was needed, left the room, got to the alien, died. Okay, so now I got to go into the room, get the computer, get what they need, come back. And I had to do that like four times. And by like the fourth time, I wanted to hit the alien with a wrench. And it won't let you, uh, even though it should. But other than that, like that that was the main point of contention. How did you find save points? Oh, they, like main point of contention for me, but from a completely opposite point of view, I think I didn't die a lot. But things took me probably still twice as long as you because I was so slow that my actual physical stress levels <laughs> rose greatly. The The feeling of, and I think it maybe is exactly what they're going for at points, but the feeling of saving is such a relief that it actually, it, it actually was really deeply impactful on my physical being. <laughs> so like... It did take me a long time. By the the second playthrough, like, I'm not bad at stealth, and I can confidently stealth yeah. my way through the game. The second time, it was far less of an issue because I'd lost a lot of that fear, as I say, so I was just kind of, like, not waltzing through areas with the alien, but I knew I knew what I was going to do to get through it. Uh, but you, you're absolutely right. If you hit a tough point with the alien, if you... Taking your time like me, the save points are painful. And yeah, dying while saving is just <laughs> so disappointing. Uh, it, it's, 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 a bad, it's a bad show. And I, it happened to me once towards the end of the game where, uh, keeping it vague, uh, things start to go on fire. And you're trapped in the room with the Xenomorph. And I got out and just booked it to the save. And it's like, save, 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 save. And as soon as I pulled it out... <laughs> Through the through the back, I'm like, uh oh, um, yeah. Luckily, it doesn't save like a save state, but the alien was like always just around the corner every time I loaded. So you had you had to do something really quick. Um, but other than that, I don't know if you could save yourself into a 100% unwinnable state. I I can't imagine I can't imagine you would because it's not just it's not just the physical in countdown out when you pull it out the state. Uh, well, I don't know how it worked on console, but on PC, when you pulled the thing out, a save prompt then prompted up and you could yes. choose a save slot. Is that the same? 
Uh, yes, yes. Okay, so I'm assuming it would never let you get to that point if dead. Like, if okay, dead, yeah, good point. do not allow save. <laughs> um, One thing I would like to talk about is the line that this game... And, and if you're familiar with the films, uh, I'm going to base this on that. So please forgive me if you're not. Uh, this straddles a line between alien and aliens, right? Like, the first half of the game is very much alien. The second half is very much aliens, especially when you find the nest. And arguably the coolest cutscene of the game when they all come skittering out after you turn on the thing. Ah, it's, it's really cool. Um, do you have a preference? Uh, alien. Alien. So the... I could probably have played the whole game if I had no weapons. You know, like, if you were just relying on sneaking okay. about the place and tense alien cat and mouse is far more preferable than having to run anywhere or deal with any combat mechanics. Like, and it's, I'm not saying they're mad mechanics in this game, it's just if I had the choice between two of them, I'd be, like, sneaking all the way. Yeah, it's almost like you prefer playing games with a ghost mode. Yeah. Um, which is uh, inherently wrong. <laughs> yeah. uh, again, as, as you could probably guess, I much prefer the second half of this game where you have a way of fighting back because uh, I've mentioned it before, but human fallibility in terms of combat is what makes things tense for me. And having a vent in front of you and a vent behind you and you can hear them in both knowing, okay, I've got like one shot of flamethrower ready. Which one? Like, like that to me is a lot more tense than hiding in a cupboard and it just being a binary of like, ah, he found you. I ah, didn't. Um, so for me, the second half of this, like, like the most fun I had in terms of stealth, because even though you have a measure to fight against the alien, it's still not something that you will stride confidently down corridors blasting aliens. It, it never hits that point ever. Uh, the alien nest was arguably the most fun I had with the intersection of combat and stealth. Because I don't know how you took the alien hive. I ran in at full pelt. <laughs> and it was just, all right, uh, facehugger there, wham, and then kill it. And then just just keep sprinting to the destination while dealing with aliens as they popped up. I found that insanely fun. Then you run out of ammo halfway through and you're like, uh, uh. So basically it was, I stormed the castle going in, and then stealthed my way out. That, to me, was a lot of fun, just for that one small section. I really enjoyed that. Okay. Yeah, I... I, I complete opposite. But again, it isn't, it isn't opposite for any other reason, other than, like, I don't enjoy the stress of having to... Re I'm not good enough to react qu quickly in a stressful situation to shoot something in the face before it grabs my face. Oh, neither but am I. Please don't misunderstand me. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I, the, the stress for me is if I can sneak over there without him ever spotting me, it's a 100% win. And if he spots me and kills me, I would liken things like Dishonored, that one thing where someone catches me, that's a level restart. I am not even restarting the checkpoint. I'm restarting the level because I have failed. you're a madman. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So that's like, I just last week finished that Death of the Outsider. No kills, not being spotted, snuck no my fun. way through. <laughs> just, no, but it's so fun. No, <laughs> no. I'm sorry, Craig. I will not believe you, ever. Um... <laughs> 
So I, I, I do want to give these guys props for they do not exactly have a you must play this prescriptive way in order to progress. There is a lot of leeway left open for personal interpretation of how to do stealth. Uh, my stealth is very Hitman stealth. It's very, <laughs> well, they can't see if they're dead. Uh, approach to self. So I, I really appreciated that. That being said, this was by far and away the most frustrating game I've played this year. Taking outside like bugs and stuff, right? Because like Phoenix Point right now is the most frustrating game to play because if that breaks one more time while I'm playing a 40-minute <laughs> mission, I'm going to cry. Um, this This took me the most effort to see to the finish. While I, I, I guess I don't want to overplay it though. Like, it was never painful. It was my inadequacies that made it harder to complete. See, I, 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 oddly, it's like weird parallels, but opposite pa- parallels, because this was probably the most difficult game for me to complete this year, the first time I played it, because of the... It's a long... It's spoopy! It's spoopy, and it is a long game. It's not a 10-hour indie spook fest like Layers of Fear or something like that. It's a full-on 30-hour, like maybe 30-hour sneak fest of terror. Um, so it, it it does go on a bit. The, the length... Um, no, sorry. I don't mean it does go on a bit in a, a negative way. I just mean it's a long game. It's a full experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, this is not... Like you're getting your money's worth out of this. It it it's definitely not a short game. Uh right now it took me. I mean, I don't know how it took you thirty. Maybe two playthroughs. It took me about fourteen hours to get through. Okay. <laughs> so so not long, but not indie short either. Uh, I I think it it adequately explores all of the ideas it sets in motion. I, there was never a part where it's like, oh man, I wish there was more of blank. I mean, I wish there was more mini games because the hacking mini games are fantastic. Oh, I, the hacking mini games—it's something actually we haven't spoke about, but just in general, the way you save is physical clunky. They've got that alien aesthetic down to a T. The hacking mini games all feel like real. They, they could have been real, like in that on that ship. They're clunky, clicky, beepy things. The wrench that you use to open doors is a big click and you hold down R2 and swing your trigger. It all is put together really well and it makes for a really, like, it really draws you in. I can't remember the word where you, you're drawn in and you feel a part of the experience. I, I will tell you. Um, uh-huh. um, but first, uh, all the mini games are, are retro enough to where they look like they could be played on your play date. Mm-hmm. Yes. You just wind it up and then, okay, I'm going to match the symbols. Um, uh-huh. it, it, everything has a wonderful retro aesthetic to it. They're very, very faithful to yeah. everything you've ever seen in an alien movie. And in turn, it is a lot more immersive than most ah, yes. other games based on uh-huh. a license. Like this feels like almost like it was written from a script that never got produced. Yeah. And you articulated it really well another time that actually it was really perfect. The perfect way you said it, and I don't know how 
you know if you know how perfect you said it but it was this is in the future they have invented space travel and everything <laughs> but they never envisaged having flat screen tellies because so they're always big absolutely not nope. <laughs> you know this yeah it, it, it is very cool how everything is still so analog in a uh-huh. future we still haven't seen in the digital age put it that yeah, way it's it's fantastic it's a fantastic spaceship um, by fantastic, you mean looks like it's going to fall apart any moment. Now, I wouldn't go into space on it, not going to no. lie. I mean, I wouldn't go into space in anything, period. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I really want to, like, if you take anything away from us talking about Alien Installation, it's the fact that this game feels alien as hell. Yeah. Like, like, I've very rarely seen a game more faithful to its source material. This yeah. is really good. In terms of just the aesthetics, even the sound design, the sound design feels clunky. I think there are random noises going off on the mm-hmm. ship. They're just it, everything is very well done here. Um, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, being honest, without being uh, you know subject to hyperbole, or as Young Dave would say, hyperbole. Um, <laughs> oh, oof. I, I'm going to wrap this up a little bit. I, yeah. I don't like this game. There's nothing that actively makes me want to ever touch this again. Mm-hmm. That being said, it's a damn good game. Um, this is very much just a... Somebody handed you the most well-done steak you'll ever have in your life. Not in terms of like cooked-wise, but like it's a beautiful <laughs> yeah. steak. Mm-hmm. And then they slathered mushroom sauce on it, and you're like... But I, uh, I don't like mushrooms. Um, I'm allergic. It, it is, yeah, yeah. I'm allergic to. It. Uh, I, I just there's just something about this game that I can't click with, and it's arguably the same thing that I can't click with in Dishonored, and the same thing I can't click with in Metal Gear Solid. It's Dave is not built for stealth unless it's Batman stealth. Yeah. Um, I need a very active stealth to feel engaged. Action stealth. <laughs> Action stealth. And so, and so what this ended up being with, and, and go with me on this, Craig, this ended up being the same problem as Shadow of Mordor. I When I played Shadow of Mordor, everybody was going off about like, oh, this is the Nemesis system, right? And I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to check that out. And I played it and I finished it. And I died like two times in the entire game. And not a brag. It's not a very hard game. It's very Assassin's Creedy. And I never once really engaged with the nemesis system of, like, you got killed by an orc and then he rises in the ranks. And then he, like, the the main core of that game I never got a chance to engage with because I just didn't die. In this, I died so much that I didn't get to feel any sense of tension because, eh, I'm going to die and reload. Like, there's something there that uh, I must have played both of them wrong. Because uh, the tension you were feeling in the, okay, I need a, I need a save point. While you're, like, tense, I'm, like, rolling my eyes going, oh, come on, where's the save point? I just want a save point. Um, but, that, again, that being said, this is a phenomenal game. If you're into stealth, definitely try this game. I, I like, you've said everything that I would say. I've <laughs> Well, except you're going to say it from the other, yeah, the other angle. <laughs> I absolutely love this game because of all the reasons Dave just <laughs> said. Like, 
It is just, it's a fantastic place. If you're an alien fan, it's for you. If you like sneaking, it's for you. If you like immersive sims with a bit of terror, it's for you. It's it's that good and it broke my I have to be scared of video games thing that I've went on and played like three or four what's supposed to be scary games. I'm just at the end of Observer just now, which is psychological horror type. I would never have touched that with a barge pole before. And it's all, I love the look of that game and I think I would have loved it, but it's scary and I don't like scary games. I've now, I'm absolutely loving that game. And it's it's just, it's, it's clicked because I think they just did it so well and they help you overcome it that it, it just, I, 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 it's one of the best games I've played this year. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, so so Craig now is feeling brave. He is going to play Resident Evil 7 in VR. And we're going to see how he does. Um, I'm very curious to see it. Uh, so out of curiosity, what this does with, I, I guess, I don't want to call this baby's first horror. But I, I, I can't find a person who finds the Xenomorph scary, a believable mm-hmm. person. So it it's introductory horror, put it that way, yeah. right? Yeah, Has this not... made you curious for things like Amnesia or Penumbra, where it's this kind of game where there's no combat, but it's horror? Yeah, it's the thing that I've been Googling is exactly that. It's how it's like the, the same as well, like Layers of Fear and things. It's the... Mm-hmm. Adventure horror, the puzzle horror, the psychological horror, walking simulate, all of those are now completely on my radar. Like everything like that. The th- the the where will draw the line is if it, combat is a core mechanic of that. I'm never you're never gonna catch me playing, you know, like scary make shoot face. Like, well, I bad news, buddy. We're doing Dead Space if that remaster ever happens. We we are one hundred percent doing yeah, it. Yeah, but Dead Space is a bit I think because Dead Space is third part. No, yes, because yeah, yeah, Dead Space. <laughs> right, I know. I nearly, I nearly got it confused with a different game. Because Dead Space is third person, I find that far more palatable. I think it's the first person bit that really. Okay. Like, the, one of the things, like, and this, I might cut this out anyway, but I'll tell you. But one of the things I noticed that these games do that I've really started enjoying in a weird way. And observer, you're walking along a corridor, and it's one of these PTSD scenes where you're walking into the same corridor, but it's slightly changing and slightly changing, and things are getting creepier. And then a window opens and it catches your eye, so you instinctively look right. So you flick the thumbstick right to look ah. right, and by the t- by the time you've looked left again, without thinking about it, there's something in front of you, or there's an enemy in front of you, or there's, there's something's changed. The, the Arkham Knight approach, yeah, where and it, it plays with the camera exactly. Yeah. So that is is hundred percent. I, I, I love that now, and I would never have loved it before playing. And it's got nothing to do with Alien Isolation. It just broke a wee bit of my fear. That's fair enough. I mean, it kick-started your fear, fear gland. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas I, on the other hand, still feel an intense amount of horror when I'm playing an adventure game and I have a bunch <laughs> of items and I don't know where the puzzle is. I don't know what the puzzle is. It, it's existential horror at its finest for me. Um, okay. So, that was our first doubleheader. Um, uh, we hope you enjoyed it. And we're very sorry that we couldn't give the games these full treatment. But our option was don't do them 
or do them like this because we're, we're running out of time, especially as we're ramping up toward the holiday season where like both of our works go, go bonkers busy. Uh, we just couldn't find the time. And plus we don't like each other. Like we never talk outside of this setting at all. We can't stand each other. Um, so uh, thank you very much for listening. Next up we have Craig. Earthbound, our listener request, because we do requests, people. If you go to the website, thebiteffect.com, there is a single form which you can fill in if you would like us to play a game. Yes. Um, and someone out there picked Earthbound and the Earthbound Maternal Mound remaster, remix. Redux. Redux. So we played both of those, but only one of them. If that makes yes, sense. Yes, I, I, I played vanilla Earthbound and <laughs> yep. he played the the mod. So yep. kinda like when we when we did that episode that should be hidden now because I'm ashamed of it, uh the Ocarina of Time. Where he, he played the three yes. Huh? Let's not mention right. that. No. Um okay. So Oh no. It's more like when we did Rainbow Six and you played the shit version <laughs> of Rainbow Six. <laughs> yes, yes, more like that. Um okay, so the next big game after these two are Sniper Elite V2 Remaster. Um, we are very much looking forward to sniping tons of Nazis because, boy, that's a better stealth game than this. Uh, arguably. Uh, I, I, I'm so, saying, uh-huh, but you're completely wrong. But, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, join us next time when, if, if you're feeling in a retro mood, you can join us on Earthbound. If not... Uh, you can join us on Sniper. If you have any thoughts about Alien Isolation, Ghosts and Goblins, anything we've ever played in the history of man, uh, you can hit us up on the exact same website and let us know your thoughts. It's always a lot of fun when somebody, you know, writes in something other than, you guys suck! Um, well, actually, no, the you guys suck is still, it warms my cockles because, ooh, ooh, someone messaged us. This is cool. Um, so, yes, anything you want to do, you can do that on the website, and we will catch you next time where we kill, not Hitler, but close enough. Say, Bye. Say Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right, Craig, hold on. I need 10 seconds of silence really quick. Okay. All right, are, are they gone? All right, because I, I only wanted this for the cool people because we have a surprise bonus third game we're going to talk about, but we're not going to really talk about it in depth or anything because we are inadequate people. Yes. So <gasps> I know what you're talking uh, about. All of you gold subscribers, you're going to get a very short bonus edition for observation. So don't tell the other people. I'm going to hold you to this. All right, so uh, what happened was we played Observation, again, in this cursed, cursed month of October, and we started to record it, and this was not technical difficulties. This was, we just can't do it justice. Um, Craig, you want to elaborate a little? Yeah, so um, I suppose ob Observation is one of those games where it is very... Not in the traditional sense, it's like a walking sim, but it's actually a floating sim. It is almost 100% reliant on storytelling. So mechanically, the game isn't that rich. You are opening and closing doors 
if we forget the fact that you're a robot AI and you're in space and you've randomly ended up transporting across this solar system, you're a robot, you open and close doors and float about a bit while talking to things. The the absolute meat of that game is in the story and some of the bunker nuts things it does. And it's brilliant, but we're not built to do well about talking about yeah, stories. Yeah, in case you haven't noticed by the episode this is currently on, we do like to focus a lot on the mechanics because, to me, that's what makes video games interesting is, is the mechanics. That's not to say games without mechanics, like Observation, are not interesting as hell to play. Uh, so as a brief setup for Observation, again, spoiler wall is off, but just if you want to hear the brief setup and then, okay, I'm going to go try it because it's only like four hours long. Um... You wake up on a space station after Dr. Fisher reboots you, and you try to figure out why you were shut down, what happened, and then Dr. Fisher looks out the window and, oh crap, you're now orbiting Saturn instead of Earth. Uh, and you have to help her, by being the AI computer, solve the mystery of what exactly happened, and to make things a little bit sticky. Um, as the prologue is ending the words bring her flash on your screen and then you're off on your adventure. That was the exact nanosecond where I was like, ooh, hunkered down in my chair. I'm like, oh, okay, this is going to be good. Um, we're not going to talk too in-depth on the story. We'll probably talk about the ending because I'm curious to Craig's uh, interpretation of it. But unless we reformatted the way our brains work, really couldn't do it justice. So... Recommends up front, Craig. Oh, like I, I one hundred percent recommend this game. It was chosen. Uh, I like space. The per or one of the people responsible for this game worked on Alien Isolation in the UI department type thing, and they did a fantastic job. The music is by another person I love, Robin Fink, and it's in space and it's like got this psychologically twisty thriller thing going on so all these component parts build a really good game it's a banging story i absolutely love it and i did love just being sam and moving from camera to camera in a very limited fashion opening doors and trying to put together some uh, bits of data and things like that like I found the whole thing super gratifying and the most frustrating thing about this whole thing is that to do the game justice in the full episode, like Dave says, we would have to just go bit by bit through the story, which makes for a guff. We're not an audiobook, you know? Yeah, it doesn't make for a terrible listening experience as evidenced by a lot of good podcasts that do it. We uh, would make it a terrible oh, yeah, listening we, experience. Yeah, sorry, yes. we would. Um, but yeah, 100 million billion percent recommend it another one of my favorite games i've played this i'm on a roll this the second yeah. half of this year has really heated up it's a banger okay mm -hmm. so uh the best compliment i can hand this is i wanted the mechanics to be out of the way so i could get to the story faster um for me when i'm playing a walking simulator like a gone home or a everybody's gone to the rapture or anything like that which I think this is a step above in terms of interaction. Uh, or like a her story. I guess I guess a her story would be a good point. If I'm enjoying the story enough where it's like, come on, come on, enough with this stupid minigame. Get to, get to the story. 
that is the highest compliment I can give it because you have hooked me in 100% to your story. I want to see what happens. Uh, this very much did that for me. Like I 100% like Craig thought this was fantastic. And I went in with a chip on my shoulder. I'm not a huge fan of these types of games. I'm not a big space guy. Space to me is a boring black hole of oblivion. Why do we even go there? I don't care. Um, but within the first 10 minutes, this there was enough of a hook to where I was hooked all game. Um, so let's talk about the small amount of mechanics it actually has in it. Most of them will involve you interfacing with some kind of computer module. Is that fair enough to say? It's absolutely fair enough to say. You are transporting about in a camera. You can see a map of all the locations and you can go to a room and you're in the cameras. So you've got fixed camera angles. You look about, you find a computer, you read things on that computer and you do actions like open doors. So open door. Open vent, closed door, closed vent, blobbity bloop. Re-engage uh, docking clamps, yeah. you know, things like that. Yeah, oh, there's a bit of missing data in this hard drive. I need to find the missing bit of data. It's very, it's it's very much that that's it. But that's it in the best of ways. Like, I, I really enjoyed it. The, there's a, a bit about a third of the way through the game where you it introduces a floating ball that you can then float about in. And I think that was probably the lowest point in the game for me because I thought, oh, they've taken away the fact that I was an AI camera and now I'm a floating ball and I can go anywhere. Uh, it doesn't oh, last Oh, I agree forever. 100%. Yeah, it made yeah. it feel more generic. In the, oh, yeah. okay. It's, yeah. But yeah, it doesn't last forever and it, has, it serves a purpose as well. So yeah, that mechanically... That's about it. <laughs> uh, the only other thing I'd mention is there is some 360 degree space exploration in which if you're me, you will get lost for 40 minutes and just just not know where anything is anymore. Um, other than that, I do want to ask, did you have a favorite minigame? Because I did. Two of them were super fun for me. Uh, the first one was, do you remember when you had to restart the generator and you had to deal with those magnetic fields? And you had to quickly manipulate it. I thought that was a ton of fun. Also, I really enjoyed uh, towards the end where you have to input uh, the burn coordinates and the angle oh, and trajectory. That, that was and my I really liked yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was like I, a little mini Spable, Spable, Spable purse program. Wow. <laughs> Kerbal space program. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that that was that was my point with because that felt meaningful and tactile. Oh, and absolutely! It totally, it totally just fit what you were trying to do. Uh, it was fab. Oh shit! I've just realised that I watched Gravity last week, and there's a bit of, there's a bit of that, and that Gravity feels like <laughs> a good chunk of this game. Yeah, um, um, I would say the star power is not the same, but. Uh, I, I do want to give a major shout out to the lady who plays uh, Dr. Fisher. The voice acting quality on that is insanely good. Like, after four hours of spending time with this lady, I genuinely liked her as a character. And that's very hard to do. I mean, I didn't care about any of the ancillary characters, but... Her, I mean, arguably the main focus, I, I thought her character work was fantastic. And a lot of that was just due to her voice dialogue. Yeah. 
Also, um, she's British. No, she was absolutely fantastic. Her Sam as well as yes, Sam does a very good job. And Sam, that that was the other tie. And Sam is Samuel's from Alien Isolation. It's the same actor. And Samuel's in Alien Isolation as an AI robot dude. So there's a wee bit, a wee bit of nods here and there. Um, just fantastic. I, uh, what do you call her? Um, oh gosh, Dave. Emma Fisher in this does voice Amanda Ripley in Alien Isolation as well. I think it's Ellen Fisher in Amanda Ripley. Is it Ellen, Ellen F- Fisher? I don't in know. This? Anyway, no, uh, it's not Elena from uh, Uncharted. We know that. So you can knock her out. It's the same um, person. It's the same person. <laughs> yes, uh, the, the same person in Alien Isolation. The main heroine is also the main heroine in yeah. this. And I would argue, I think she does a much better job here, even though mm. what she did in Alien Isolation is not bad by any yeah. means. No, But there's something yeah. about the, the, the writing and humanity of this that uh-huh. worked. And it's, yeah, it's the way she's got Sam here to talk to, and that's it. And she does such, she brings so much humanity and character and emotion and, and weight to the whole thing. She sells the entire entire thing just by floating about by herself I, I it is very hard to convey fear without being cartoonish about it and she does a very good job so um props to her she would win the bit effects voice actress of the year award if we had it and if they didn't arrest us for chasing after her on the street with a trophy um but they would arrest us so we can't really do anything other than say hey very good job all right, Craig, this is what I've been itching to talk about since the first time we tried to record this. The ending. Uh, major spoilers. Uh, there's nothing after this. This is going to be the end of the, the little bonus thing. So if you want to call it here, go ahead and call it. And three, two, one, boom. How did you feel about the ending? I really liked it. Like it just took it. It it went the the um not stages the phases the what do you call it? chapters of the game very much went with realistic space issue with slight sci fi elements to horrific amount of sci fi elements and multiple space stations that are all the same with the same people on it but they've all encountered different issues to. I am standing on an obelisk and I seem to have somehow landed on the planet and I somehow know I should have been there. Uh, absolutely, it ramps up in such a gratifying way. Like, I I, I, I bought this entire thing 100%. I'm not saying I understand why it all happened. Well, that's am- the big one, right? <laughs> like, like, I'm really curious to see... Wh- okay, so when I finish this, right... Uh, the initial starting of the ending sequence where you have to uh, asphyxiate the guy, right? Abby came in at that moment for a soda and ended up staying till the end of the game because she just looked at her and goes, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm not explaining it. You just watch if you want. She's like, okay. So she watched and at the end, she's like, what is that about? I'm like, I don't know. Um. Okay, so... um. The hexagon has to be a monolith type thing, right? From yeah. 2001. Yeah. The the hexagon's a call from something. The entity wants to smoosh Sam 
and uh, Ripley together, but has in a tra- guess kind of way. Yeah, uh, has failed many times. So there's lots of. De- and I know I said Ripley as a joke. There. It failed in a yeah. I know a, what you meant. Yeah, in a very 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 uh, monumental way. There's lots of dead Doctor officials about the place. There's everything is coalescing in this one space or point in space and time to smoosh them together and it's worked this time and then at the very very end if I remember right does it not say again like you hear radio contact and it it says again it says like bring them or bring her or there's another bring bring, them yeah Yeah. there's another bring message and I just thought well okay so this entity has completed phase one of this so now that something else is going to happen like i just on face value took it to be some weird alien thing fucking about and trying to smoosh humans and AI what got me was the earth scene afterwards right mm-hmm. like when you show up on earth and you do the the the, the hand thing on the ground it's like well the whole time i'm playing this right I'm not exactly seeing the entity as bad. But then there's the end. Is the entity bad for humans? Or not? I th- I think maybe bad. I think maybe bad in the same way that, you know, this is the beginning of really bad, like a Geth type situation or a Borg would be a better okay, analogy. Okay, Borg is a good... Yeah, yeah, analogy, yes. Like okay. a, the beginning of a Borg-type situation or something. that I took it to be that, which left it very bitter at the end because you're like, oh, 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 oh crap, it's the credits. Oh. <laughs> yeah, this went from interesting sci-fi to interesting sci-fi to, oh, it's horror now. Um, Like, like the end horror sting, especially like when you're interfacing with the hexagon. It is a hexagon, right? Yes, it is a hexagon. Okay. I couldn't remember exactly if it was an octagon or a hexagon Uh, or a septagon. And and it's like, it does the flash and then there's all those figures behind the hexagon. And you're like, who are they? And then it flashes again. Like, I'm guessing that's all the other fishers, right? Yes. I think so, yes. So, here's my question, Craig. Should they have cut it off there? Like, I'm, I'm trying to think. Like, like, everything after that point works. It works perfectly well. Yeah. But I think that answers a little too much. And I like the idea of, well, I am the Lovecraftian idea of, you don't know what's going on. You can't understand the motivations. You don't know what's happening. It's just, blam, big old space entity. Love that. Because yeah. when Sam and Fisher merge into Sam Fisher, and then they go off to Afghanistan and do some <laughs> black ops together, uh-huh. um, they sound like they're okay. They mm-hmm. don't sound like something horrific happened to them. No, and I was don't. curious about your take. They don't. It just. It just feels like a weird experiment you know okay so you you very much take um sinister motives maybe i don't know whether yeah maybe i the thing that makes me think sinister is very much the multiple dimensions they are pulling so many 
um, officials and Sam's to that place, there's obviously a higher purpose than, oh, we're just going to fuck about with this a wee bit. There's, there's a reason for doing what they're doing. And I can't think of any good reason why some weird space entity would want to do this like i can't i can't think yeah, of a i guess i guess it, it, if you look at an alien and go well that's for the betterment of mankind or, or uh-huh. a oh shoot it i uh-huh. guess it depends on your your stance there like like um i will give this game an incredibly high compliment in the fact that after i played it i did not immediately start another game i sat and i thought about it for a while and as you can tell that didn't gain me much but but uh, this game like impacted me like the way a good like the end of a good horror book will where you're like oh whoa that was amazing um Craig this game was very good yeah it it was it was very good I a hundred like um behind the scenes a little bit uh me and Craig are constantly recommending games to each other like it's something that probably happens two times a week. Uh, we're kind of like, oh, you should play this. It's like, sure, buddy. I got $40 to burn. Um, so we have recommended games to each other hundreds of times by now. This is arguably the best game you've ever recommended. Oh, and wow. I don't mean that in mm-hmm. a negative sense. I mean, yeah. this is really good. Uh, and I think I think me going into it with a chip on my shoulder of and, and, and walking simulators <laughs> really worked for me. Yeah, Like, I'm glad I walked into that. Oh, good. Um, this floated. also, yeah, yeah, it floated. Uh, um, this this is very much another feather in the cap of Devolver, who uh, have impeccable taste in video games. Oh, it they, seems. Really, they really do. There are a couple of missed hits, but everything. When I now see like Devolver, I saw that Katana Zero, and it was like, eh, eh. and then it, it, the wee Devolver digital thing popped up, and I was like, well, it's got to have well, something. Now I gotta here. see it. <laughs> now I've got to see it, and I ended up sitting and just playing the whole thing because it was. They seem to have good taste. Uh, for me, it was the Gungeon. As soon as I played Gungeon, it's like, oh, okay, these guys, these guys have got something going on. Um, yeah. So, um, I out of all the games we talked about today, this might be the highest recommend I can give it. Like, let's talk about how this sits, if 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 you don't mind, for just a moment. Of course. Um, this won't make my best of the year because I, I I don't think it's worthy of that in comparison to other things I've played. But this is arguably the game that has had the most narrative impact on me all year. Yeah, up until starting bloody. The only reason, like the, this, in Alien Isolation, are the culmination of reasons why I got Observer because we made. So many jokes. Oh, we're playing Observation. Rutger Hauer. Oh, Rutger Hauer. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Oh, ha, 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 how funny are Dave making that same joke 40 times. Um, and and then the, the whole like, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not scared anymore. I'm not scared anymore. I'm a real boy. I was going to say, that was a very good way to put that. Yeah. Uh, so that I ended up getting Observer and it's hitting a lot of the same buttons that Observation did in a really weird cyberpunk creepy kind of way like it's it's not as good but it's it's hitting hitting the right spot i'm gonna play it because (laughs) of your um equating it to observation yeah the cyberpunk doesn't do much for me like i'm not a big cyberpunk and that that's probably it's one of the the main things that i think 
you'll 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 be like, and one thing I'm gonna ding it for is the cy- <laughs> cyberpunk aesthetic type thing. Oh, I don't know. I'm gonna sit <laughs> on the fence a little. <laughs> Uh, I didn't like it one way or the other. And now suddenly, <laughs> Craig, you're Irish. I don't <laughs> I know. know how it happened. Yeah. Well, um, at least uh, you're in the rough ballpark. I don't know what the hell. Yeah, I'm in the rough ballpark. <laughs> um, yeah, just go for a Frank Fontaine every time you want to do American. Uh, yeah, so so um, this means nothing to the people on air, but thank you, Craig. This was fan fucking tastic to play. Um, I am now since going to hate all walking simulators after this. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Um, all right. Now, this marks the... Uh, do you have anything else you want to say I should, I should ask? Uh, nothing at all. I th- I do think calling it a walking simulator just in general does it disservice because I really yeah, hate... Yeah, it does. Like, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture was one of the worst things I've ever walked through. <laughs> like, it's just, it's I was so... playing it, fell asleep, woke up, and I was still playing it. I know. Um, yeah, it, that, that was that was bad. Uh-huh. I I wouldn't, but I also wouldn't compare it to The Witness in terms of puzzle yeah. density. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, uh, let's compare it to a game we've both looked at for the last five years and nobody's taken the plunge on. Four two eight Shibuya Scramble. That's what it's oh, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you know what, if you have played that game, please let us know. Because we're both too much of a coward to spend that much on a game, but we're both super interested in it. So, yes, uh, there's your homework for the week. If you have played 428 you Scramble, let us know how it is, because I'm super curious. Uh, other than that, thank you to all of our premium donors who managed to stay to the end of this episode. As you can tell, it would have been very hard for us to get a full episode out of this, but we really wanted to talk about it because we haven't talked about it. And um, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time on Earthbound and Sniper. If they had mixed those two together, it would have been a better game. Yeah. Earth Sniper. Sniping while on Earth. I was just thinking you're sniping hippies as Ness, or the happy blue people Uh, as Ness. Um, Maybe the end boss is Gigius trying to drive away in a car, Mm -hmm. and and you gotta snipe him. I think it would have worked pretty well. Is that or you could have Vin Diesel instead of Ness in Earthbound. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, right, good night folks. Thank anyway, you for listening. <laughs> we will catch you next time. Thank you.